Welcome to Real Conversations, exploring the meaning behind the music. Hi, I'm Reverend Jeannie Kataoka. And I'm Al Yankee. Join with us for a deep dive into the inspiration and meaning behind the music of New Thought, as important New Thought artists share the story of their creative process and their spiritual journey. Real Conversations is a rare opportunity to take a look behind the curtain to discover the connections between the stories, the music, the artists, and you. So let's dive right in to Real Conversations, exploring the meaning behind the music. Right, today on Real Conversations, we are just thrilled to be talking to Freebo. If you don't know him, you're in for a real treat. Uh, Freebo is a super talented multi-instrumentalist, singer-songwriter of uh, great repute. Uh, and uh, I'm just thrilled to be talking to him today along with my co-host Jeannie, who's going to tell you a little bit more about it. Uh, yes, I am. Freebo is an American musician, singer, songwriter, and producer noted primarily for his longtime collaboration with Grammy winner Bonnie Raitt. He is also a session musician who has recorded and performed with Ringo Starr, John Mayall, John Hall, Aaron Neville, Dr. John, Crosby, Stills and Nash, Maria Moldar, and many others. In addition to his work with others, he has recorded five solo albums and is a multi-award winner, including Best Folk Artist of 2007 by the Los Angeles Music Awards and a finalist in numerous songwriting contests. In addition, he has appeared on Saturday Night Live, The Muppet Show, The Midnight Special, and in concert with the legendary and one of my favorites, Spinal Tap. <laughs> Freebo's compassionate concern for the world and people around him, as evidenced both in his lyrics and his stage banter at concerts, has helped him connect with listeners worldwide. He takes audiences from insights about what kind of positive mark we can leave on the world with standing ovation, to where we stand with our pets and our partners with She Loves My Dog More Than Me. Welcome, Freebo. Thank you, Jeannie. What a lovely introduction. Nice <laughs> to be with you guys. Hi, Al. Hi. So great to have you here. Good so where are you here. coming to us? Where are you today? Uh, I'm in LA. I'm in West Hollywood, actually. Right. So is that is that home for you? It is. I actually just uh, moved into a place in the process of moving in. Been here less than a week and place is an absolute mess. But uh, I spent many years in West Hollywood and it's good to be back here. Mm. Nice part of the world. Nice weather. Yeah, been pretty Most cold the for the time. last. <laughs> I mean, for LA, everybody. Oh my God, I'm freezing. It's 55 degrees. But uh, your blood, your blood does thin. I don't know if it's your blood or your mind. Maybe both. <laughs> or both. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> well, let's get this started. Let's listen to some music, and then we'll talk about it. Okay. Uh, first song I chose was, or is, the beauty of life. So oh let's goodness. Listen. Okay, so let's listen to The Beauty of Life by Freebo. Future 
time when your destiny shows its face and it sets you free. There's two kinds of people in the world, you know. Some say yes and some say no. Wrong. do a lot of co-writing and uh and co-writing is interesting it it sometimes it begins with one person or the other person having an idea and sharing it and then each person sort of hops on and you kind of parlay back and forth uh, sometimes you just get together and say let's write a song uh and you have no idea what you're going to write about and generally it's you know over a cup of coffee or something and you have conversation and um, and something comes up. And uh, I wrote this one with a friend of mine out of Bakersfield, a guy named Monty Byram. And Monty uh, did a lot of stuff out of Nashville and uh, just a, a wonderful singer guitar player. And uh, we had never written before. In fact, this is the only song we, we wrote. And I keep bugging him, hey, Monty, <laughs> we're one for one. Let's do another one. Uh, <laughs> I think at one point uh, we were talking and, and he came up with the phrase, it's about, you know, and that's, that's the beauty of life. And I went, whoa, let, that, that sounds cool. So mm -hmm. that became the title. And so the way I work is once you have a title, it's like, okay, 
what is the beauty of life? I mean, what's <laughs> right. the, what you begin to explore that as far as, as far as the lyrics go, you know, and and uh so uh bit by bit we we just kind of came up with ideas and and went back and forth and and uh and decided because Monty really likes R and B as do I. And uh so uh, what I found, see, I didn't, I didn't start writing songs till my mid forties. I had never written a song all the time. I was with Bonnie and so many people. I was not a songwriter. I had no desire to do it. It was only when I really got into my mid forties, I realized I had what I call a burning, churning, yearning going on. And it was, it was, it was a dis-ease and, and I didn't know what it was. And, and, and I finally figured out it was my creative child was mm. screaming to come out. And I was ac- accessing a certain amount of him, of it, let's say of him, uh, yeah, okay. uh, maybe a little bit of her. <laughs> and and I, w- I was accessing a certain amount of that by playing bass. And I think the reason that I was considered a good bass player, not because I have great technique, great chops, but... I think it has to do with my choices of what notes to play. Mm. And and the choice of the notes is based on where that note fits in the chord and how it relates to the melody and to the rhythm. So I, I'm a musical guy. Uh, I, I always have been. And I had piano lessons as a kid, and I listened to classical music. And, uh, and, and so I think my ear was pretty well developed. And in the process of working with so many people and playing bass, I, I had my ideas on 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 what to play in the bass, how and why, but I would often get ideas of maybe what the guitar player should play or or, or the melody uh, change or arrangement. I had all sorts of musical ideas, and bottom line is I had nowhere to put them mm. except into my bass playing. And I realized over the years that that what was going on, what I called the burning, churning, yearning, was was my frustration of not having the vessel into which I could put all of this creative energy. Mm-hmm. And and one day I literally had, had an awakening. I said, I need to start writing songs because I realized in all the situations I had been in, it was the songwriter, the singer, who had the control. I didn't want control like a control freak so I could just tell everybody what to do because that's what I like to do. But I wanted some, I wanted more input into the music. And so I realized I had to start writing songs. If I do that, I'm now creating a vessel into which I can put all my ideas. But once I started doing that, I realized that, oh my gosh, once I wrote the song or co-wrote it, I had to sing it. I was really the only one who knew how it went. And I realized (laughs) I was scared to sing. And I started taking some vocal lessons. I mean, I always sang and sang in choruses. I love singing harmony, but never by myself. I never believed in my own voice. So I had to get to own that. And when I started writing songs, I would often sit down in in the very early stage and play the guitar and come up with a riff and come up with a melody. But I didn't know what I was saying. I, okay, la, 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 I got a group. It's like, what, what am I saying? What's the song about? And it wasn't until I started messing with words that that unlocked the key on how I could write the song. So for instance, on, uh, uh, well, like the beauty of life, uh, wrong or right, that's the beauty of life. Mm-hmm. The, be- the, the beauty of life. There's a rip. That's the beauty of it. Not, it's not that's the beauty of life. 
That's the beauty of life. Um, the beauty of life and wrong or right. That, and that for me sets up a rhythm. So I can now use that rhythm like just as an example. That unlocked <laughs> that unlocked the key for me. So in this song, we came up with some lyrics, but we also started coming up in that group, like an R&B kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. And so one thing led to another, and that's how the song came about. And as far as basically the meaning of the song, as it went, and as I look back on it, the song is all about choice. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, uh, stuff happens in your life. Yep. I mean, uh, yep. uh, life, life happens, you know, and, mm -hmm. and we always have a choice on, mm -hmm. we don't always have a choice on what happened, but we do have a choice on what we're going to do with it. Yeah. And, and, and that's totally what the song is about. And I, I like to do that in my songs. I'm a, I'm a fairly deep thinker. Uh, I can talk superficially. I know how to make small <laughs> talk, but, but at some point, I enjoy going deep. I, I, mm -hmm. I enjoy, uh, you know, I mean, not not ponderously, but just, mm -hmm. you know, there's there's something about it, and I think that's where the real communication happens between people, and you get to know who each other is, and, and you could talk about stuff and exchange ideas. So, uh, I generally prefer in most of my song to tackle issues. So even it's about choice to talk about that. It's about love. It's not just about, oh, I love you and you love me. We're going to live happily ever after. Or <laughs> I love you and you don't love me. What happened? Or, <laughs> that's or, a you love me and I don't love you anymore. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean the, that's all well and good. It's been said a million times. So I find in several of my love songs, I tend to go toward the deeper meaning and deeper issues in love. So that's kind of that's the long answer uh, to your short. That's great. We love life. long answers, and and I yeah. think that all describes the beauty of life. So <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, yeah. So talking about getting deeper and more complex, I think that's a great intro to the next song, the one, the first one that I chose. Um, again, from from early in your songwriting. Uh, but uh, but uh, in the middle of your life, and that is um, to the light. Mm -hmm. I, I had a so, feeling you were, were going to pick that. I'm glad you did. Okay, okay. Let's let's let our audience in on it. Here's to the light, Freebo. I've heard it said. The earth looks peaceful when it's seen from outer space Such a pretty place for you and me How do we hear the wisdom of the crickets in the night Singing out of sight from way down here Way down here Where there's only right or wrong Why can't we just try to get along It said. There's a hundred billion galaxies of light Lighting up the night for you and me We could be 
Just as peaceful as the earth from outer space Living in a place of harmony Harmony Oh, such a lovely sound Why do we put one another down? Just consider that there is no wrong or right And consider that there is no black or white There are always shades of gray To help us find our way to the light To the light I've heard it said Every culture has a history in stone Dances of their own they like to do Wouldn't you? Like to be accepted just the way you are Is that really hard to see? Couldn't we find a way to understand And blow away that line in the sand? Just consider that there is no wrong or right And consider that there is no black or white There are always shades of gray To help us find our way to the light To the light That's 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 got the depth and the complex complexity yeah, both in in the in the music and in the lyrics. I think it's it's really uh, a full package. Thank you. Yeah, uh, I, the, I love that song. Very proud uh, of it. I I can see why. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, harmonically, it's 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 more complex than most things that you hear. Most things, I think, even that most of us write, but it's uh, it's great in that way. So anyway, the harmonies are great in there, and then and then um, and then you know the imagery. I, I'm just going to quote you back to you. Mm -hmm. There are always shades of gray to help us find our way to the light. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. how wonderful that, that is that? That was what I wrote down too, Al. That was just like. It's yeah. it's the payoff. Of course you did. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, uh, let may may I tell you about the genesis of that song? How came? I wish about? you would. Yes. <laughs> Well, uh, I was at a, uh, a songwriting uh, retreat, and I was one of the teachers, along with uh, Severn Brown and, uh, and David Roth, and uh, I think James Lee Stanley. And uh, 
And at one point, uh, Severin just kind of seemed to be conflicted about something or other. And I just said, hey, Seb, what, what's going on, man? And um, I thought he was going to talk about a girlfriend or some life situation. He said, well, like, I got this little melody and a chord progression in my head, and I don't know where to go with it. And I said, uh, may I listen? And he said, sure. So he played the basic chord progression, and the melody was, uh, and he actually said, I've heard it said, the earth looks peaceful when it's seen from outer space, such a pretty place for you and me. That's what he had. And he had those those two chords, which is like a, uh, it's kind of like an open ninth chord into a, an eleventh chord. And I went, wow. As soon as I heard it, I went, uh, I've got some ideas. Uh, can we maybe work on that? And uh, he said, sure. And then David Roth, who was there, said, hey, you have heard the conversation. Can I join in? And, of course, Severin said, yeah. And then Jane Blee Stanley, who was in the other room, said, how about me? So now the four of us went out on the porch, and we tried to write this thing. And very often when you get four people together, it's very difficult, you know. Too many chiefs. And it it basically went nowhere. We are out there for an hour, hour and a half, and, and, and the vibe was just not right. And there were, you know, just conflicts and david came up with uh crickets in the night singing <laughs> the crickets in the night and at the end of it we wound up pretty much with nothing and left it there and uh about a month or so later back in la i called up severin and said severin i feel really bad uh you know you had this song you started it uh didn't go anywhere uh i'd really like to help you finish it and he said well what about David and James Lee. I said, well, David is 3,000 miles away, and James Lee was just, you know, didn't seem to be really into it. I said, how about you and I get together, and we'll finish it, and we'll give them credit. We'll just go 25%, 25% all the way through. Because that's what you do in songwriting. You don't want to go, well, I wrote 60%, <laughs> and you wrote 40%. No, no, actually, I wrote 65%. And it, 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 it's a great creativity block so you know, you just go you know what it doesn't matter it's going to even out in the long run two people the third the third so Severin and I did get together and the way my head and and we finished it so literally James had had no input on it and and David had crickets in the night <laughs> so uh which is okay you know uh we've written other stuff together and it's no disparagement on them. It just didn't happen that night. And I didn't want to get involved in the same thing. So I said, look, let's, let's, let's finish it. So once it was, I've heard it said, da-da-da-da, the earth looks peaceful. And I took, when it, he, he went, see from outer space, such a pretty place for you. I went, I've heard it said, the earth looks peaceful. When it's seen from outer space, such a pretty place for you and me. And what I do in a lot of my songwriting, and this is a great example of it, now, I use a thing called the rule of two. And the rule of two is if you do something once, do it again. <laughs> because repetition is what connects us. Mm -hmm. So if I go, ba da ba da ba da ba da ba da ba da 
and then I got to go ba da ba da da you're already there with ba da ba da right? Because you heard it, it's familiarity. So I went with, okay, Seth, how about, I've heard it said, you're such peace when you see from others, such peace you and me, da-da-da, I've heard it said. So I came back to da-da-da, it's the rule of two, not the rule of three. So now you go somewhere else. Melodically. Lyrically, it was, I've heard it said, the earth looks peaceful when it's seen from outer space. Such a pretty place for you and me. That was all Severin. So I went with, I've heard it said, the earth looks peaceful when it's you and me. How do we, right? To rhyme, how do we hear the wisdom of the crickets in the night? <laughs> there it is. Right, there it is. Singing out of sight from way down here. So the way my head works is, okay, this started off, I've heard it said the earth looks peaceful when it's seen from outer space. So I'm picturing being in outer space, looking at the earth. Such a beautiful place. So where I go is, okay, that's one perspective. Now, what's it really like down here? That's To me, that's what the song could be suggesting. So mm -hmm. I went there right away. How do we hear the wisdom of the crickets in the night singing out of sight from way down here? And then repeat, way down here, where there's only right or wrong, why can't we just find a way to get along? That's the first verse. And then the second verse, I've heard it said, go back to that again. There's a hundred billion galaxies of light. And it kind of goes on from there for the second, for the second verse. And it, but it's just talking about the juxtaposition of, you know, of, of perspective. Song's really about perspective. You know, when, when you're far away from something, when you get close to something, it's usually, it's usually different. And then uh, the chorus just came from, uh, at the end, it's just, and I, I think I took a little bit of John Lennon, just consider that there is no wrong or right. And 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 you, you don't want to preach in a song. Mm -hmm. So I thought, okay, just consider, like think about it. It's like a little bit like uh, uh, like Lennon's song, uh, Imagine. Mm -hmm. Just imagine, you know. And we do that. We borrow stuff in songwriting. There's nothing original. There's only 12 notes in the music. So... It's it's all been done, and we're not inventing words. We're using words that have been said. It's all how we put them together. So that's kind of how the chorus came up, and and you know then you you tweak it here and there. And Severin had his version, and I came up with a different key and some different chords and moved some stuff around when I did my version. And uh, so that's kind of kind of how it happened. And and uh, like I said, I'm 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 really proud of of where the song went and how it got there. And Severin and I pretty much in that one session at his place uh, at the Abbey, which is kind of where he and Jackson Brown grew up. He's Jackson's brother. Uh, so I guess there was a creative muse there, but that's where it happened. And that's how it happened. Mm -hmm. The next song is my choice. And um, when I was listening to this, I, I, I was just, Jimmy Buffett came to mind and and I think that it has like we've said about some of your lyrics already greater depth than appears on the surface 
And I think this is really about family dynamics. And the song I'm talking about is She Loves My Dog More Than Me. Hmm. So how did you happen to come up with that one? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you for asking. I think uh, that's uh, probably, that might be my most popular song. Uh, back when I was married, uh, my wife and I had a uh, couple of beautiful gold retrievers, but at this point, uh, the one that was left was Hepburn. And the Hepburn was just a beautiful, beautiful creature. Uh, and one day, uh, as so often happened, uh, my wife was on the bed and Hepburn was also on the bed in my place. And I was not. So I kind of looked at the two of them. And I just said to my wife at the time, it just came to mind. I was just joking. I said, you know, I think you love a dog more than me. And I heard myself say that. Mm -hmm. you love the dog more than me. There's the rhythm again, right? You love the dog more than me. And as a songwriter, and once I, life's all about commitment, all about commitment, you know, and I think Goethe had a, a famous phrase about commitment. I just paraphrase it, but basically when you commit to something, uh, there's a huge confluence of, of energies that come together to support that commitment that the universe just constantly throws things. Uh, it's, uh, it's a little bit of the commitment. It's also synchronicity when you're thinking that way. When you're thinking green, all of a sudden you just start noticing a whole lot more green around. Even just very little, when it, whatever's there, you'll pick it up if you're thinking that way. So once I made the decision to be a songwriter at that point, when you're a songwriter, you start to hear language a little differently. I had always heard, and one of the things that made me decide to become a songwriter, uh, I always had these things that I would <laughs> say or hear people say, I call them cleverisms. You know, you say you say something like, oh, well, that's interesting. Gee, I really should write that down. You know, and, and you don't. And if you don't write it down, you lose it and it's gone. Now, who knows where it comes from? Uh, I don't care. You know, it could be God, it could be the universe, it could be your brain. I don't know, but it comes from somewhere, and there it is. And it's up to us. Here's the choice, right? It's up to us on what we do with it. So once I made that choice back in my mid-40s to start writing songs, I made the commitment to if and when I get a cleverism, I'm going to write it down. Because I've had many cleverisms in my life, and I've lost every single one of them. But now that I want to use them as a songwriter, I'm going to write them down. So I say to my wife, you know, you love a dog more than me. I thought, oh, you love a dog, you love a dog more than me. So I started thinking about that. And I said, wow, that would be kind of a cool song. So let's see. I can't say just say, you love a dog more than me. I uh, could say my wife loves a dog more than me, but Pacific, and I come up with she loves a dog more than me. She, me, she, right. And once I came with she loves a dog more than me, if I'm getting a story together, the dog who is a she can't be she because the she is my wife. So the dog has but to become a he. license. <laughs> but the dog's yeah. not a he. Who who cares, right? Nobody knows. It's, it's a song. You have poetic license. So she loves she loves my dog, not the dog. She loves my dog 
more than me. So I thought, well, and I came up with the chorus, I came up with, she loved my dog more than me. And I thought, let's see, and it was kind of simple. She loved my dog more than me, same melody with a chord change underneath it. And <laughs> I love my dog, and she loved my dog, but she loved my dog more than me, right? And I thought, it, it's funny, it's crazy, it's like, okay. And so I had the whole, I had the chorus written. So now I'm thinking, okay, <laughs> there's got to be a story here. So uh, what I do as, as, as a songwriter and knowing many other wonderful songwriters, oh, yeah. I call my buddy Harold Payne. I say, hey, Harold, Harold, I got a great idea here. You know, I got a chorus. <laughs> we need to invent He's the guy for the story. Yeah. Could you write it with me? Yeah, perfect guy. Uh, for sure. Yeah, he's the perfect guy for it. It's I you try, try and find find the right person, you know, to write with. I've done a lot of writing with Karen Taylor Good, you know, who's a wonderful songwriter. We've come with some great stuff, um, you know, with Harold with uh so uh we got together and we came up and started with Once Upon a Time, you know, and I went at first because I came up with that and first I was like, ah, I'm not the, no. I want to start, it's just a silly little song. going to start with Once Upon a Time. And then we just started running with that. And Harold oh, yeah, is, he is. He's a genius, and especially with lyric. He's amazing. And so he would give me ideas. I give him ideas. And we had a wonderful time. And and musically, uh, <laughs> I thought about, it, it, it's a two-chord song. And I thought about putting a third chord in it. And uh, doesn't need it. And I thought about putting a bridge in it. And I went, doesn't need it. Came up with a little musical hook. Ba 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 da ba ba da da. Right. Thought, hey, let's go, I'll get my buddy Lee Thornburg with like mariachi kind of horns on it. Yeah, that'll be fun. <laughs> you know, throw a little tuba in there. So, and and that's how the song came about. And then and when I play it live, people sing along. <laughs> she loved my dog. I mean, people who never had a dog are singing. She loved my dog more than me. Okay, so let's listen to She Loves My Dog More Than Me by Freebo. Dog, and she 
Buffett and his story songs, you know? <laughs> yeah. no, Jim, which is a compliment. Please take that oh, as a compliment. No, I, you know, J- Jimmy's a genius at that. I mean, he he writes simple songs that really connect yeah. with simple melody. There's a reason why millions of people like Jimmy yeah. Buffett. Yeah, absolutely. Can I tell you what uh, reminded me of? In fact, it was interesting because I was sitting here and I'm listening. You know, I'm going on YouTube and Spotify and right. and, and checking out your things. So I've got the world at my fingertips, uh-huh. and. Uh, uh, something about I was in the back of my head. I was hearing Doug's song, mm. and I'm going, "What? What is it?" So I, you know, the first thing I, I went to is I, I just clicked from from this song over to 
Doug saw him doing Mendocino. Mm -hmm. And I, I recommend folks to do that huh. because it's um, the similarities are there. I mean, I, I can tell why my brain was doing that, and it was it was just fun. I, I, are you a fan of of uh, you know the Texas tornadoes or any of, the, of his? Well, stuff? I mean, I know the 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 Sir Douglas Quintet, some of the early yes, stuff. Yes, exactly. Uh, I I don't know that song, and I'm really shamefully unfamiliar with what you're talking about. Okay, well, I, I would recommend you check it out. At least I didn't steal it from them. <laughs> <laughs> well, like you said, we only steal from the best anyway. So. Well, <laughs> we, we all do it, yeah. Exactly. Or, or, or borrow or share or, yeah, lift. Honor. Yes, honor. That's, that's perfect. Um, so moving on to our next musical selection, a beautiful and sweet ballad. Um, uh, one of my personal favorites of yours, uh, and that's what love is. Oh, thank you. I think we should just play that first, and then we can talk about it. So here's Freebo doing That's What Love Is. It's so whisper you hear In the midst of your fear It's revealing It's a part of the heart And it's just who we are It's so healing It's a power inside Always wins over pride Never judges And it strengthens and comforts us all That's what love is it's the healer of souls, makes the broken ones whole and completed. It's what gives you the strength and the hope when you're feeling defeated. It's a compass and guide, and it won't be denied, so we trust it. It's the light in the dark of it all That's what love is And it's patient and kind And it's deaf, dumb and blind To the madness It's the ace of the dealer of truth It's the healer of sadness It's a place that you know from so long, long ago, and it's free. And you feel when it's there, cause you're able to share from your being. And it takes us all higher, and it lifts and inspires all it touches. It's the best part of being alive That's what love is And it's patient and kind And it's deaf, dumb and blind To the madness It's the ace of the dealer of truth It's the healer of sadness beyond 
right or wrong And it's not weak or strong, it's not winning For the young and the old It's a brave and a bold new beginning It's the peace and the hope It's what helps us to cope It's forgiveness It's the light that will always endure It's eternal and simple and pure That's what love is Yeah, that's, that's, just, that's just so sweet. You know, Thank it you. really is. Thank you. you know, uh, I know we all do each other's songs now and then. Do you, do you know if anyone else has, has covered that song? Because it really seems like uh, the kind I, of thing it would be. I, I, I would love that. And there's a whole lot of ways that song could be done. It could be done with an R&B version. Uh, it couldn't be done really upbeat. It's not really an upbeat song. But it could have. It could definitely have a, a rhythm to it. I chose not to do it without drums. Uh, on this version, you know, and did like a little kind of a string quartet, or I think it's a trio maybe. But uh, no, I would love that. And and honestly, uh, I have not spent uh, a whole lot of time exploiting my song, like exploiting, it's the musical term of publishing, getting other people to listen and do it. Uh, I would love that. I, I think my songs are very exploitable, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that's, that's one I'd love to hear somebody somebody do that I, people have uh, have offered to you know to sing that at different church services and stuff like that so the song has been done by other people whether anybody is recorded or not i honestly don't know i can really hear that even being in a, a used for a tv show or a movie uh, soundtrack uh, or something like hey, that could could be a whole movie really yeah there we go yeah all right so you want to know how that song happened Sure, sure. Okay, well, thanks for the compliments, by the way. I really appreciate that. It, it, it means a lot. And all this stuff means a lot to me. Like I said, never having thought of myself as a songwriter and not having started till you know, halfway through my life. Um, it, it, it's really nice to be recognized in some way, shape, or form when, when you create something out of nowhere, out of the ethos. Okay, and that one that one even got recognized as a with a Posse award. It won a Posse award, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, but it it, it w- when that happens, it's, it's a wonderful feeling, and I I never got that such a complete feeling by playing bass. It was nice to be on stage with Bonnie and be all oh, the guy with the long hair and both. But I'm just up there going boom, 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 doing my thing, and yeah, you're playing a record and very proud of the bass part. Like this was the right thing to play. I'm very proud of Midnight at the Oasis that when when I changed my part, everything else came together when the session wasn't happening. And they, I was playing something funky and they said, can you play something different? And at first I was kind of offended. I've been playing this with <laughs> David Nictor and Maria for a year. I didn't say it, but I'm thinking that. But I went, okay. And I just thought about it and I went to a whole different place and when I went to that whole different place, Jim Gordon, the drummer, went to a different place, and the piano player went to a different place. Everybody did, and the song came together in two takes like that. 
very proud of moments like that on the bass, but that's about as much as you can do with the bass. I, the songwriter, the Midnight to Ace, is a brilliant song. So for me to be the songwriter and put something together where it touches you on a much deeper level, touches the lyrics and the emotion and and, and the musicality and the melody and the harmonies, uh, that really means a lot. So sorry for that little little tangent there. But it's, 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 it's I, again, back to commitment. I think when we make a commitment and, and and we follow it through and and it's hopefully what we dreamt it might be and it's not going to happen unless we do commit to it right but when you do and it does happen to work out it's just a wonder wonderfully satisfying feeling so uh i think it's probably one of the most important decisions in my life to to have chosen to decide to start writing songs so for this song I was sitting with my guitar and uh, I, I have this thing called a partial capo. It covers three strings, mm. the third, fourth, and fifth strings. And uh, I got turned on to it by a guy named Randall Williams, who was working for Kaiser. And uh, he told me this, it changes the tuning without retuning your guitar. It changes the tuning, kind of puts you into a, like a fake dad gad. And so I had been fooling with this for a while and I came up with a different configuration. I was fooling with that and I came up with a chord progression that that I really liked and just going along. And and then I came up with a melody. Rule of two. I went a third time. And uh, then that was, I found a magic chord. It's like, I'd never played that chord. I went, whoa. I heard it in my head and I had to figure out how to play it. Da, 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 da. Like, whoa, that's cool. And let me, da, 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 da. And out of nowhere of my head came, that's what love is. There were no lyrics. I had the whole melody. I had the chord progression. I'm kind of go, eh, that's what love is. I went, whoa, that's interesting. So <laughs> when you're doing a song, there's a rhyme scheme, right? And so you either is either A A B B or A B A B, but it's got a pattern to it. Again, the rule of two. You do something once, do it again. We connect to it. So in this one, uh, that's what love is. So I think, okay, that's what love is. So something before that has to have a of is rhyme to it. So now I'm actually out of creativity mode and into, hmm, let's see, of it. Okay, up above is, uh, like a glove is, just enough is, false rhyme. And that's as far as I could go with it. Uh, I know this song is, if that's what love is, it's got to be about love. And it's got to be about the deeper meaning of love. It's not going to be the old I love you, you love me, that thing. So I had the melody. I had the chords. I had that's what love is. I even had a... I even had a bridge for it musically. Again, I had no idea what I was going to say. So I call up my friend Karen Taylor Good. Karen... We've written before, make it easy. I have this really cool song. I've got the whole, all the music for it. 
I need help with the lyrics. I know what it wants to say. I know you can relate to it. Can we get together? And we did. And Karen came up with the rhyme. That's what love is. A whole bunch of false rhymes that I never would have thought about in my whole life. Mm. You know, it's a whisper you hear in the midst of your fear. And the rhyme scheme on that is is really amazing. It, it's a whisper you hear in the midst of your fear. It's revealing. It's a part of the heart. It's just who we are. It's so healing. So you got A-A-B, A-A-B. It's a power inside, uh, always wins, uh, never judges, judges. And it strengthens and comforts us all. That's what love is. Now, I never would have thought judges and love is would have been a rhyme. But it's perfect. And, and of course, love doesn't judge. So uh, her her lyrics, what she put in there, and the way she came about it, yeah, I, I threw in, but I would say probably 75% of those lyrics are hers, 25% of mine, because you do something well, that makes me think, oh, and turn it around. So I'd like to do that stuff. But hey, give me some ideas. I don't have them all. I'm open. I want good ideas. And hey, I'm welcome. This is 50-50. So that's kind of how 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 it happened. Uh, and and in the bridge, I mean, I came. I think I come up with most of the lyrics in the in in the bridge. But it doesn't matter. But what happened is that was the song. And then I I took it home. I was very happy with it. But it wasn't quite complete. I just I mean I want every word to be right. I want every part of the melody to be right. When I have the melody, I can improvise it. I can do little squiggles, little, you know, improvisations on it. But it should have a melody that, like like yesterday, all my troubles seem so far away. You can write that out musically. So I would like my melodies to be able to be written out. It doesn't mean I can't, you know, blues, bluesify them, have a good time with them. But the melody should be stated. It should be... Uh, clarify it. So I, we had everything, but it just wasn't sitting quite right. There was just a small part that needed to be done. And, and Karen couldn't come up with anything else and I couldn't come up with anything else. So she said, let's call up our friend, Lisa Ashman. And Lisa is a lyricist out of uh, Nashville and uh, call up Lisa. And I know Lisa and she's a brilliant uh, songwriter. She's written hundreds and probably thousands of songs. And uh, I don't remember what it was she came up with, but whatever it was she came up with, it was a small part, but it was a missing piece that for me turned it from 90% to 100%. And so there are three songwriters on it. It's not like, okay, we'll give you 10%. Mm -hmm. You know, I was happy to give up. I had 100% in the beginning. Now I have 50% because Karen really turned a good song. It's not quite right happy to give up another towards the third, a third, and a third. So that's what it is, and that's how it happened. And and I I love every lyric. I love every melody. I love everything about it. And um, I'm glad I gave it up, as it were. Nice, nice. Thank you. I just, one of the things that came to my mind as you were talking, mm-hmm. and you were pointing up the, the rhymes, the whisper you hear in the midst of your fear. Right. Um. Of course, that has not just the the hear fear rhyme. It's also got the internal sort of I guess you're calling false rhymes a whisper in midst of. Yeah. You know, so that's that's so strong. Thank you know, you. that's that's real pro level stuff. 
Yeah, and and then, and then of course, like what the song is saying, that's what it comes down to. I mean, the rhymes are all well and good, but you know, how often do you hear a song where you hear this thing and then you hear the rhyme come up and you go, that okay, come mm. on, you 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 write you, <laughs> you, you, you rhymed it because it rhymed, but what the hell does it mean? I mean, it, it's right. okay. I mean, isn't there something better? Could you go a little bit deeper with that? So and I think that that's really important. You know, you there's so, again why I just love songwriting. It's it's such a deep, honest, and amazing craft because in basically four minutes, you have to say everything you want to say. Kind of like a short story. Why it's so difficult? Not a novel. This is not a symphony. <laughs> this is a four minute song, and it's about a particular thing. And you want to clarify what it's about, and you want to get as deep as you can into it. But you can't get too deep, but sometimes, in fact, very often, less is more. So you get as deep as you can by saying as little as you can with the right words. Why John Prine is such a genius. You know, he's not using any 50 cent words. It's all very <laughs> common language, but and he's he only knows five chords. But the way he puts it together and, and the thought process and the picture that he's painting is brilliant. So uh, I'll never be a John Prine, but if I can, you know, write a song that's a song for the ages, uh, I've done my job. Beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, the next song um, I think we'll go ahead and listen to, uh, and then we'll come back and talk about it. Standing Ovation. <laughs> never as clear as it could be or maybe drama who is to say but it always turns out as it should be and if I am a player who's played his part well and did it with humor and grace when I die give me a standing ovation a celebration job well done no need to cry it's not my final destination i'll be at the station when the train comes by you write your own story as the pages unfold but you're never quite sure of the end
We sink to the bottom and we rise to the top, but mostly wind up in the middle. The more we are different, the more we're the same. I'm just one more who's worked through the riddle. And when I die, give me a standing ovation, a celebration for a job well done. You know, I'm always kind of find look for good songs that you could use, or you know, even planning my own funeral. Not that it's going to be anytime soon, but songs that you can use that aren't maudlin. Um, and I just so t- tell tell me about this one. Well, it's interesting what you say, planning your own funeral, because <laughs> this song came about. I was at the funeral of a friend, mm. and. You know, when you're at funerals, they're, I mean, they're heavy, but there's something that's very celebratory about it. And I mean, if you can't go deep at a funeral, I don't know where you can go deep, right? I mean, it just makes you think about life, you know, and death. But then going back to life, what was this person's life like, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, look, we, we always internalize stuff. It's like, okay, hmm what is my life like what would what was what will my life have been like when i die who's going to say what at my funeral so i started thinking that i started thinking about my own funeral mm-hmm. you know because someday i'm going to be that guy in that coffin <laughs> or that urn yep, that's going to be me <laughs> that's right that's going to be me and these people are going to be here. I don't know how many, but there are going to be some people who are there and they're going to have their feelings and they're going to be talking about me and my life, I suppose. I certainly hope so. And it's like, well, I I hope they say something good. I hope they think something good. And I actually, I pictured it. I literally pictured my funeral and there I was in my coffin, but I was out of body, you know, in the back of the audience, looking at the whole thing, looking at the people there and looking at my coffin up there. And I literally had a vision of everybody standing up and giving me an ovation, giving me a standing ovation. And I thought, and that's when, when the lyrics came to mind, when I die, Give me a standing ovation. Brian, bro, you know, a celebration for a job well done. When I die, da-da-da, 
That's the motif for the whole song. Da da da. Three words. It's like a Beethoven motif. Da 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 da. Da 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 da. Which, by the way, is all ruler too. Right? Da 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 da. Da 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 da. Da 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 da. Three of them. Da 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 da. Then you go. Da 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 da. And then he winds up. Da 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 bum And he goes off into Beethoven land. Right? So I learned a little bit from Beethoven, uh, thank God, and I realized I had a, a rhythm when I die, give me a standing ovation, a celebration for a job well done, no need to cry. Right, and that came up later, but what came up for me was when I die, give me a standing ovation, a celebration for a job well done. That's what I was thinking, being there at that funeral. And, and I wrote it down. They said, this is a song, you know, and it is about standing ovation. And it's about life. And it's about living the life that's worthy of getting that standing ovation. Because you have to earn a standing ovation. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't just come. You don't just get it, you know. So what kind of a life, you know, is going to be worthy of that? So I started thinking of that lyrically. So that's kind of what happened. Uh and musically, uh, back to that partial capo thing, I had been fooling with that partial capo in a different place, and I had a different chord progression, which had nothing to do with the song. They were two different things. So I had the lyric for standing ovation, the whole concept, and I had to down, 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 down. It was like a downward progression. And at some point, I just kind of got to da-da-da, when, when I die. You know, give me a standing ovation, a celebration, through to the job well done, no need to cry. It's not my final destination, detestation. You keep those rhymes going, you know, and I'm very proud I came up with those rhymes. So, oh, that's cool. And be at the station when the train comes by. <clears throat> that was a little, little bit of Harry Potter, you know. Mm. <laughs> and I just think because, you know, I mean, that train and that, that metaphor has been used over and over again. It's like, okay. I guess I'll be ready to go. I don't know where the train goes. I'd leave that up to the up to the audience. Does he believe in God? Leave that up to the audience. Uh, but I came up with a lot of cool stuff. Uh, and uh, and we did that when I die. And and musically, I just uh, one of my fa- most favorite instruments has always been the French horn. Mm-hmm. So I always said uh, when I die. I thought I'd answer that answer that vocal lick with the French horn lick and and because there's certain majesty about a French horn, it's really mm-hmm. beautiful, very majestic instrument, you know, very orchestral. Uh, so that's pretty much uh, what happened. I got together with a friend of mine, Robert Tepper, whom I've been working with uh, as a co-producer and co-writer on quite a few things, and and uh, I didn't know what we wanted to say, and so we got together. And in second verse, I went with. Uh, in the kitchen, you know, you're baking something like that. We came up with a whole verse about that. And one point I went home and, and I just, "Eh, it's gotta be something better than that. So I just kind of thought about, you know, you write your own story. Yeah, yeah, there we go. You write your own stories, the pages unfold, but you're never quite sure of the ending, Mm -hmm. you know, and went there. And as it turns out that uh, Robert actually had a small part, but he had a, he had a very important line that that I really needed. Uh, 
in the tale of a lifetime. You know, I thought that was brilliant because that's really what it's about. It, your, your funeral is about the, the, the mm -hmm. it's, it, it is the tale of a lifetime. And mm -hmm. just to say, I, I, I didn't come up with that and I couldn't come up with that. And he did. It's brilliant. And there were probably a couple other lines. So again, it's a 50, 50 deal, but that's kind of, that's kind of how it happened. And uh, I, I think that I, I think that song and, and, and to the light that, well, and that's what love is. I mean, I'm just really proud of all of them because I think they're, they, I think they succeeded in the depth that I'm looking for. I think they succeeded in the simplicity. I think they succeeded melodically, uh, rhythmically. I think they make you think, but you can go along and you can sing the melody. And if she loved my dog more than me, it's just funny. You know, and, and and it turns out what started as a little whimsical thing, it's amazing how many people relate to that song. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, you know, I didn't think that when I when I wrote it, it's just like, oh, you love a dog more than me. Wait a second. Let's <laughs> let, <laughs> let's fool with that. So it, it's such a wonderful process to be able to play. And that's what Harold Payne does so well. He plays with words. Mm -hmm. you know? And when I get together with Harold, it gets my gerbil working and I play with words. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not as good as he is, but if I can get like just 25% of what he does, fine, whatever it takes to, you know, to light my fuse. So, you know, I, I've made a few notes about this, this tune, you know, it's a wonderful, wonderful song, of course. And thank you for all those insights about the genesis of it. Thank you. Um, I think, you know, we were talking about using your tunes in other places. To me, this tune is has a Disney-like quality to it, you know, and that, you know, I know Disney, it really is a, there's a standard of excellence oh, yeah, in everything absolutely. they do, absolutely. you know, um, regardless of whatever anybody else thinks about it, you know, um, they always do great work. And to me, it's very Alan Menken-like, you know, the Beauty and the Beast and, and all that sort mm. of thing. Uh, and I could hear it being used in that kind of a context. So that was one note that I had. The other note that I had uh, was about your bass playing on it. Hmm. I think you're, are you playing a fretless on it? Do you remember the I, recording I session? Yes. Because yes. it's really, it's just gorgeous. Oh, thank you. You know, it's a it's big fat sound, but also, uh, I mean, you're really a masterful bass player. You really <laughs> are. You know, you. I mean, you're a wonderful songwriter and, 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 and a fine singer, but, you know, uh, uh, I, I get that thing where, you know, I go and I play my songs and I do my singing and people say, wouldn't you really rather play saxophone? You know, can't you bring the saxophone next time? You know? um, and I, you know, I think we have to accept the, you know, these things about ourselves that, uh, right. you know, if you've got, you really have uh, a world-class bass player, Thank you know, Thank you very um, much. and when I hear your bass playing, you know, I've, in fact, I have some questions not about this one, just that I just wanted to acknowledge the beauty of your bass playing on it. But um, I do have some questions in other songs. We've got a few more songs to go through sure. that, I, that I wanted to ask you. Go for um, and um, actually, I'm going to go ahead because it's in the next song, and I'm going to ask you now, and then people can listen. Okay. Um, the next song that I've, that I've chosen is If Not Now, When, hmm. which is... It's a, it's a really great rocker, and it's got this great groove to it. Mm -hmm. And uh, as someone who does my own tracks every now and then, I'm always trying to pick apart, 
you know, what people are doing to, to get such a great groove. Mm-hmm. And I know sometimes it's, it's feel and not think, you know, I, I, I know that. Um, but um, on this one, it's got a really down home, just a pair of old shoes kind of comfort to it, you know. And uh, and I'm listening to the drum and I'm listening to, to your bass attacks. And I'm noticing that even though the time is wonderful in there, that the drum hits here and you hit right after it. Consistent. Hmm. I'm wondering if it's anything you and and I you know I'm, I know that's that's an element of style, but I just wanted to hear w- what your thoughts were about where you put the note and maybe hmm. in, maybe in different styles. Even. Well, I mean, I, I I can't. I'm trying to picture exactly what you're saying, but I think I can answer the question as a general question. Uh, there's several different styles of bass playing and and. Uh, you're talking about playing the bass with a band with 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 drums in in a in a rock ensemble a rock orchestra it's all about orchestration right so sure. when when you're playing the bass with a drummer you guys are really locked together and a lot of bass players and a lot of drummers think that that means when the bass hits a note that the bass drum has to hit a note because the bass gives it the note, the bass drum gives it the punch. Boom. Right. And when they're done right, and and a lot of this is in recording and in mixing, you can't have them both be real boomy because there's only so much room in the sonic spectrum. So you might have to take some bottom, some bass frequency out of the bass drum to make the bass speak. You might have to take some of it out of the bass to make the drums beat. But when they're together, boom, you get that really wonderful attack. So a lot of bass players think, okay, if a drummer's going boom, 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 in the bass, boom, 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 and and that can work, and it's all well and good. But sometimes he can go boom, 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 boom. So there's there are many times when the bass can do something other than that and they work together like a piston kind of a thing you know and 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 that really just depends i mean you never quite know i think you know again that's where choice comes in that's where uh, musical instincts come in uh, and 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 then there's a thing that I, I really learned in my early days with bonnie uh because the first three years we were together we were together for 10 years, but for the first three years, it was just the two of us. So it was just a duo. So my job as a bass player is to play the the root of the chord, but I don't always play the root of the chord. A chord is based, essentially based on three notes, one, three, mm-hmm. and five. You know, most bass players, the time you, you hit the one of the chord, but it boom, boom, that's a five, one, boom, boom, it's your bass, boom, boom, boom like a tuba kind of a thing. But there's a boom, boom, there's a third, the time, boom, 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 boom. So there, you have a choice of three notes in there that you can hit. 
you know, and of course there's a seven. And then there's a whole way if you go from chord to chord, boom, 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 up to the next mm-hmm. chord. So you get a chance to lead up to the chord so you can really move the bottom along. So with Bonnie, I had that function as depending on what chord she's playing, what note I can play, then going along with the rhythm of what she's playing, I can do the exact same rhythm or I can set up, you know, some sort of a pad. And then since she's playing slide guitars, doing some slide licks and I'm playing fretless bass, I can kind of do some little licks to answer her. And then since it's just the two of us with her melodies, I can kind of answer her melodies. And I like to think melodic anyway, which is one of the things that got me into songwriting because I always played a kind of a melodic bass. So I kind of had four different things going on playing with her, just the two of us and very open. And I'm doing that with Alice Howe now. Uh, in, in the stuff that we're doing as as a duo, I'm producing a record. Some there with the drum, but when we play live, it's generally just the two of us. So I'm kind of back around that spiral. Fifty years later, doing the same type of thing with what I've learned in the process, and just kind of fooling with everything. But when you play with a band, now you, the orchestration is with the drum. So now I have, in a way, I have less room. And I'm focusing more on the drum and more on the groove. And sometimes I'm right there with the drum and sometimes I'm I'm off in a different place. So I can't speak to exactly what you're talking about, but I can't speak to the fact that, you no, know, you don't always have to hit. You don't want to kind of hit like a split second before, a split second after. I mean, you pretty much want to be in the same place. But we're human beings. So, you know, he's not a metronome and I'm not a metronome. So... That's some of the beauty of the old recordings that doesn't happen now when you have you have everything going to a grid and everything becomes perfect and you have pitch control and everything, the pitch is perfect and all the beats are perfect, but there's something that's just kind of stiff about it. There's something about that imperfection that was really beautiful, you know, because in life in general, I mean, none of us are perfect and nothing is perfect and that's really the beauty the beauty of life. <laughs> that, <laughs> that, that's really what's 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 cool about it. So I think it's I'm, I'm glad you picked that up. And I think that's just kind of the way we we express ourselves, I suppose. I think we should let people folks hear this song so they can hear what you know kind of what led up to this uh, okay. conversation. Thank you so much for those insights. It's, uh, Absolutely. Thanks it's, for it's asking. wonderful. Here's if not now when Freebo.
about the music on that you know lyrically i think uh you know this is definitely a song for uh, a certain generation uh us boomers <laughs> <laughs> well this is another one i wrote with karen taylor good and uh I, I, this is one where as with that's what love is where i had an idea i had an idea for this uh i was I, I think it was a book that I had read that was part of my early development in songwriting and, and in spirituality uh, by Julie Cameron called The Artist's Way. Mm -hmm. And and uh, and in it, she talks about, and she used that phrase, if not now, when? I think the phrase comes from Rabbi Hillel or something. If not now, when? Uh, I, I don't know if not me who was in it, but there's a lot of that stuff. And and it actually came from my journey uh, about about entering into songwriting. I wanted to write about that. I I I remember when I decided in my mid forties that I wanted to start writing songs. And I think this happens with any big decision in one's life that 
you're filled with with doubt, mm -hmm. uh, with fear, with regret, with blame, with excitement, with all sorts of things. But th th it's like, wait a second, I'm 45 years old. I want to start writing songs. God, I wish I'd have started when I was 35. Just think how much further along I'd be. Wow, I wish I'd started 25. Jackson Brown started at 15 and wrote These Days at 16. Man, ah, I could blame myself. Oh, I doubt. Oh, God, well, I don't know if I can do it. All these fears come into mind. But the bottom line is, I'm 45. If I don't start now, by the time I'm 55, I'll be in the same damn place. So if not now, when? And so that concept and, and my journey, and, and I, I like to relate things to the macro. My journey, there are other people going through what I'm going through, right? And, and so I wanted to use that as a, a metaphor, as a lesson, as an inspiration, uh, as a revelation of, look, what's going on with me. We're all filled with this stuff. But you know what? It's not now when. Go for it. So, uh, and, and of course, that's when I thought, look, this got to be, this got to be an up song, you know, get a good groove to it. And so I came to Karen with, I got this idea for if not now, when. I just want to talk about it. And I, I said, here's what I'm thinking. You know, and originally she means like, so she also has a version when I was a young girl. When I was a mm -hmm. young girl, I had these dreams and time didn't matter. So it seemed now I'm still a dreamer like I was back then. But time keeps screaming. If not now, when? And and I love the rhyme scheme uh, in it all the way through. And especially when everything comes up with if not now, when? If not now, when comes up at the end of each verse from a rhyme previous to that. And then the chorus starts with, if not now, when? If not me, who? I can't pretend because I know it's true. I make this vow. I swear, amen. My time is now. If not now, when? And I like to do that with a lot of my choruses where I'll start with the title and I'll end with the title. She loved my dog more than me. She loved my, I love my dog, but she loved my dog more than me. I do that a lot. And I don't know if I got that from Robert Frost. I don't know where I got that from, but I like it. Because it, it, it kind of drills it in. And, and and like anything else, it doesn't always work. But it's just like once upon a time, there's a place for it. It was a dark yeah. and stormy night. There's a place. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, every cliche is a cliche, but there's a place for it. Yeah. You know, and if, you, if you put it in the right place and you make it cool, it's cool. If, it, if you overdo it, it's not cool at all. So, <laughs> you know, we go from being cool to being a fool. <laughs> uh, well um al mentioned he thought that song might have been for a, a certain generation i think that my next choice is as well funk up the folk oh good good <laughs> so uh, let's listen to that one and uh, we'll come back and talk about it There's a wrong that needs righting, I gotta say out loud There's a time for uniting, a time to stand proud People raising their voices to do the right thing People coming together to stand up and sing Now the music makes the mountains move But it ain't gonna move without 
But we needed to add one more verse here Cause folk songs you know are quite long But we're all out of things to express now And also we've run out of rhyme So what shall we do, can you guess now? Yes, we'll sing the chorus one more time I know that your lyrics, you like to have your lyrics have uh, uh, layers of meaning. And the thing that, that I got, since this is a new thought uh, program, is uh, one of the things that Ernest Holmes taught was to be open at the top. And so that's that made me think, yeah, you should be open to funking up the folk and, and changing, you know, don't have things the way they are all the time. But what is your take on your lyrics? <laughs> well, it, it, that it, it that's kind of a protest song to me, and 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 it kind of dovetails a little bit onto what you're talking about. That it's re it's really about getting out of the box. Really, what it's about is that you know we we tend to we we tend to put ourselves in the box that other people put us in. You know, and again, it's our choice to stay in that box or to get out of it. And the the genesis of this song was I felt like I was being put in a box. Uh, I have fortunately a very rich history in rock and roll yeah, and, and having played with a lot of people, a lot of different genres. So here I am in my mid 40s going into being a singer songwriter, which throws me into an acoustic world, which throws me into the folk world. Okay, and going to folk alliance conferences and basically being a folk singer. I had never thought of myself as being a folk singer, but also I'm a folk singer. So I'm going to folk alliances and I'm, I want to play at house concerts. So at one point I was looking to do something. I was playing, at, I think, a house concert somewhere in Connecticut. And there was somebody who had a kind of like a, a list serve where they would talk about different concerts and they would help kind of promote them. So-and-so is playing here, so-and-so is playing there. So I asked my house concert host if they heard about somebody, if they could talk to them so they could maybe list me as playing at a particular house concert. And he did, and he got back to me, and he said, well, I talked to so-and-so, and they wouldn't list you because they say you're not a folk singer. And I went, what are you talking about? I mean, it's just me and a guitar, and I'm playing, you know, not a folk... And, and and it made me angry because he put me no by and he wouldn't list me on the damn thing because I'm not, I, I'm, and, and it's like, who the hell are you to put me in this box? Of, <laughs> I, mean, I don't know what box you're putting me in, but you won't put me in the folk box. That's not right. So I really want to kind of, in a way, get get back. And that's the wonderful thing about songwriting. It's like you have the last word, right? So <laughs> you, you can say anything you want. So I thought, you know, and I went, and I kind of went up with, yeah, I just think it's time to funk up the folk. I just kind of started fooling around <laughs> with it, funk up the folk. And, and I came up with this chorus, don't you think it's time to funk up the folk? Don't you think it's time to funk it up? 
well, it ain't no crime, it ain't no joke. Don't you think it's time to funk up the folk? Don't you think it's time to funk it up? Right, and once again, it kind of like the end of the chorus, very much like the beginning. And that's how much I had. I said, hey, this is a really cool chorus. And I had like, you know, I, th I thought, okay, it's going to be kind of like a funky sort of a song. But I thought, we've got to make it funny. And let's see, who do I know in the folk world who would be a good person to write these lyrics with? And Eric Schwartz came to mind. And Eric is very funny, um, very, very, uh, very off-color off a songwriter, a brilliant, brilliant guy and a good friend. And I just went to him and said, Eric, I want to write this song, you know. And I said, I kind of want to start it off as a folk song. You know, I want to start like just as a bad folk song. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah. like a kumbaya, like a bad folk song, you know. And then I wanted to just all of a sudden, one, two, pop, and go into a funky thing. So he got it right away. And, you know, can we, you know, there's a wrong that needs writing, i got to say out loud. I mean, you know, that's like almost preachy, you know, time for uniting and time to stand proud, you know. And, and and we wrote that together and we came up with that. And then we decided that what we wanted to do in the funky part was come up with as many musical references as we could, you know. And yeah. if you really look into that, there's at least a dozen, you know, yeah. Puff the Magic yeah. Dragon and... And uh, what, yes. what would happen? Well, I got no gripe with the kumbaya, but what would happen if Woody had a wah wah? You know, yeah. <laughs> and just kind of going from there. And and then when we finally finished. We had a really good thing. And then Eric came up with a brilliant idea. He said, "I got a great idea. Let's go back. Let's go back to the folk singer guy. <laughs> Let's go back to the folk singer guy." And we'll kind of wrap it up. And he came up with this thing. It was really brilliant, you know. Well, well, we hope you, I think we might, well, we hope you're not shocked or offended. Uh, but basically saying, but we, but we need, but, uh, oh yeah. Uh, but we need it. I forget exactly. How, we hope you're not shocked or offended. Uh, anyway, it goes, it, folk songs are so long, but we need, yes. we need to sing, sorry, but we need to sing the chorus one more time. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you think it's that? And, yeah. and I thought, Eric, that is absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And and so, and of course, when he recorded, I said, okay, I'm going to record a bad folk song beginning just the guitar, nothing else. And then I got Eric to sing a duet with me on it. And uh, I, I'm, I'm so glad you liked the song. It's really funny. It's, it's, it's it irreverent. Is. And, uh, Yes, it is. And, and in its own way, I mean, it it that is the message. It's like, hey, don't put me in a box, man. You know, I mean, come on. Yeah, so, yep. Thank you for that one. It was very yeah. fun. <laughs> That's a, it, it's a you know, and, and it's it's got it's a great blue eyed soul uh, funk arrangement in there. I was appreciating <laughs> yes, it is. the horn lines and all that. Right. I mean, it was well, that, you know, well, the horn lines. I mean, I, I'm blessed to know a lot of good musicians, and the guy that I've used on all my records, guy named Lee Thornburg. Uh, who played in Jack Mack and a Heart Attack, and he played with mm -hmm. uh, 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 Tower of Power. And, oh. and, and just really brilliant. And uh, there's, a, there's a line just for you guys. I'm going to tell you guys in there. When you listen, and for you audience people out there, when you listen to She Loved My Dog More Than Me, you got the word, ba 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 got that. But in the middle, when the solos are happening, there's like a little horn stabs. If you listen closely, 
what's going on. It's just pieces of uh, how much is that doggy in the window? I mean, it's nobody notices it, but I hope you all listen to it and go, <laughs> this is a stroke of brilliance. And it, was, it, it was it was all Lee's idea. So he's done it with a bunch of my songs, and I'll throw one and say, can you give me as many musical horn references as you can? So it's like, and, and I, when I make my records, it's also another reason why I wanted to become a songwriter, because I love to produce, and I've gotten into producing, because I have these ideas, and they have nowhere to go. i got to put them somewhere. Otherwise, you just sit there in frustration. So the frustration is gone. The ideas are coming out. And when I produce stuff, it's like, I want to have a lot of depth. I want people to be able to listen to my record one time, go, okay, that's nice. Second time, oh, I never heard that before. Third time, oh, that's interesting. Because that's what I got from classical music and really good jazz is that, you know, you've got these brilliant people who are, who are inventing this stuff out of nowhere, out of the ethos. And they've really thought about it and they're really good. And I respect the hell out of them. And, and, and it goes deeper and deeper. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I strive for that in, in my recordings uh, to put in interesting, interesting things here and there. Um, in uh, reviewing your catalog uh, of material, of course, like I said, I was on Spotify and on YouTube and I came across something on YouTube that I couldn't find on Spotify, but I, I loved it and I wanted to include it here. So let's just listen to it. It's called Everything to Do with Love. I had a dream, a vision. I woke up singing in the middle of the night. Cause the world had finally got it right It had nothing to do with history Which side had lost or won It had everything, everything to do with love When you hear a voice call Somewhere inside you Saying we're not alone And the music fills your heart with hope It's got nothing to do with boundaries Thinking you gotta be tough It's got everything, everything to do with love With our differences behind us the world looks new Maybe something as simple as kindness See us through Well it takes as long as it takes And you know it When the moment is right You hear somebody singing in the morning light there's so much hope to hold on to So many songs to be sung It's got everything, everything to do 
with love He's got everything Everything to do with love Ooh, everything Everything, everything to do with love I had a dream vision I woke up singing in the middle of the night cause the world has finally got it right there's so much hope to hold on to so many songs to be sung it's got everything everything to do with love it's got everything Everything, everything to do with love So that's a very, that's a sweet, sweet song. So positive, Thank so you. hopeful and optimistic. Thank Who is that singing with you? Uh, I'm not sure what version you've heard. It's it's, it's a it's a female it's a oh, female it, voice off of YouTube. That's Al Alice Howe. It was a, mm -hmm. a live a live version, right? Yes, yes. exactly. Yeah, that that's Alice Howe. That's the woman I'm where I just produced her second record, which we did at Muscle Shoals, and that's just about to come out. Uh, in the, the end of April, but uh, I, I actually recorded the track to that down in Muscle Shoals when I did her record, and I'm just finishing it up now, um, and and it's, it's, it's going to have a whole R&B arrangement to it uh, with some horns, but I wrote that with originally with Harold Payne and Jan and J.D., J.D. Martin and Jan Garrett. Jan Garrett. That's another one of those songs where four people got together and we had a lot of good ideas, but by the end of it, it hadn't quite gelled. And I know I walked away kind of disappointed. I think we all did. Three years or four years later, Harold found the work tape. You know, he was just recording it, found the work tape, listened to it, and said, wow, there's a lot of really good stuff here. And he sent it to Jan and JD. And Jan and JD went, yeah, you're right. They tweaked a couple things. They recorded it. They submitted it to the posies, and it got nominated for a posse. And I get an email saying, congratulations, you've been nominated for a posse award. And I went, well, that's interesting. I haven't submitted anything. <laughs> What's this about? I found out that they had submitted a song that was nominated for a posse. So I'm usually part of the posse awards. I go and play bass in a house band. And so I'm playing bass on this song that I'm a co-writer on, on Jan and JD's arrangement. And as I'm playing it with their arrangement, I'm thinking, actually, what I would do with this song would be blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so yeah. we did that. It turns out the song won the Posse Award. I went, wow. Congratulations. You Thank you. And, and I kept going, this is a great song. I'm going to tweak it in my own way, and I'm going to record my version of it. And that's you, what you heard is the acoustic version of what will be the record version on my next record. So I love the song, and I I, it, it, I love what it says. You know, everything we, to do with we love will, uh, the same thing. 
We will watch for that. You please, know, and, please and, do. And, and, uh, I'm glad you found that. That's release. great. Um, before we run out of time, uh, we do have one question for you, which Absolutely. is, do you think that uh, there's a maybe a favorite of yours or something that uh, should have been included here that we missed? No. Well, I, I guess the one, I mean, look, I, I, love, I love all my songs. I'm sorry. Uh, I would say <laughs> maybe, maybe when there's no place like home, because uh, uh, I, I think it it, it it speaks about the, I, I guess it's the obligation, the folk obligation to speak about social issues. And I wanted to write about homelessness. And I literally mm. went again to Karen Taylor Good, had no idea. I said, Karen, I want to write a song about homelessness. And we started from scratch on this. And uh, I'm very proud of it. And it, it's touched a lot of people. It was used in a movie that a friend of mine made. And uh, it, it, it speaks, I, when you talk about an issue, you tell me, you can say you, if nobody wants to hear that, you feel like you're lectured to. So uh, we chose to write this in the first person. Uh, and so when I sing it, I become the homeless person. And, uh, and, and there's several different characters in the song. And I've actually just written uh, a third verse uh, which is, uh, I used to be a teacher at a family in Kiev, but the Russian troops were coming and we knew we had to leave. So we packed a few belongings, joined a million refugees. Now I'm living in a tent. Can some, uh, now we're living in a tent. Can someone help us, please? Mm -hmm. You know, and then of course, when there's no place like home and you're out on your own. So uh, I'm very proud of that because. It, again, it speaks to an issue that I care deeply about, and to have to figure how to frame that in a in an inclusive way where you're not lecturing and say, "I hate homelessness. Don't ever do this. Come on, people, get together." I mean, uh, I'm very proud of it, and and the music that we came up with. And uh, so, if there's any way to include that, uh, uh, if you have time, I'd appreciate it. But I, I loved your guys' choices, and I'm really. Uh, I'm just so grateful that you that you had me and and it, wonderful questions and it's great what you're doing and, um, and I mean it I'm 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 truly honored. Uh, well, it's been, to be it's, part of this. I feel like I just had a songwriting course in, in <laughs> the time we've been together. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a real treat. Thank you so much, Freebo. And we will oh, close. You, we'll close the show with. When there's no place like home. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Al. Thank you, Jeannie. And thank uh, you bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. I used to be your neighbor. I had my job and I had my pride But they shipped them both to China And it ripped a hole inside They took my house last summer Now I'm hungry, cold and scared And I'm wondering, does anybody care? When there's no place like home And you're out on your own 
you feel abandoned and alone when there's no place like home I used to be a hero the strong the proud the few when duty called I stood up tall for the red white and blue but no heroes welcome waited when my damaged soul returned Uncle Sam don't give a damn that's what I learned there's no place like home when you're out on your own you feel abandoned and alone when there's no place like home Please don't look right past me A simple smile could help me make it through I could be you If home is where the heart is Then where's the heart supposed to go? When your living room's a cardboard box And your address is Skid Row If a man's home is his castle And the place where he is king What happens when he loses everything? There's no place like home When you're out on your own you feel abandoned and alone When there's no place like home When there's no place like home There's no place like home